0: So we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm so fired up about this message. I'm telling you, I'm so fired up about this message. You guys ready? So let's start with Matthew chapter 13, verse 47. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, verse 48. Which, when it was full... They drew it to the shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and separate the wicked from among the just. So in this parable, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. How many of you know what a dragnet is? A dragnet is basically a sane or a sane net. A sane net is, is a net that basically requires two or three people to working together, and they drag the net, it's got buoys on top, let's bring up the first picture, buoys on top, and they have weights at the bottom, and the two people walk together with the net, and they catch anything and everything that comes in to the net. In some cases, it requires three people, and the third person uses a cast net and it's casting into the middle of what's being caught together to pull them out. Let's look at the next picture. There's several powerful things about a sane net and the Lord using the example of a dragnet as what the kingdom's like. Here's why. Number one, you can't do it alone. You've got to stop being isolated and lonely and allow yourself to come into relationship. God didn't, Jesus did not send the disciples out one by one. He sent them out two by two. Okay, where two or more gather together in his name, there he is in the presence. So we know and understand that to do this right, whether it's multiple boats going out into the deep or or fishing into the guts or the trenches off the shore, we become trench fighters together. Fish would be huddled in the guts. We all live in the coast. There's a a gut is defined as basically a dip in the shore that as you go deeper, it gets deeper. And as the waves come in, it's digging these trenches off the shore under the water. We call them guts, first gut, second gut, third gut, fourth gut. And in those guts are where the shoals or the schools or the groups of fish are. And what it means is that together we get into the trenches to fight for one another and for other people's lives. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. And it requires multiple people to be together. In this, in the day of Jesus, the fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, Galilee fished with drag nets or seine nets. Okay, those were the type of nets that they fished with predominantly. They did also use a hook and line, and I'll show that to you in a minute. But it required a team effort, and it required getting into the water. I'll show you here in just a little while. After Jesus resurrected, the fishermen decided Simon Peter and the fishermen decided to go fishing again and they were, he was burned, he was angry, he hadn't been restored yet. He goes back to his old way, and it says when Jesus came and he finally recognized it was Jesus, he put his coat, cloak back on and plunged into the sea. And the point is, is that Peter was in the water, but God wants us to be in the water to rescue the captives and set the captives free. And so the kingdom of God is like a dragnet. Here's the other thing. The dragnet catches all fish which means in the kingdom of God, there's no discrimination. And it's not my job to clean the fish. My job's to catch them. Religion always tries to clean people up, or religion will pick and choose. And I want you to notice that it was the angels that would come. It's God's responsibility in the angels to call the fish, not mine. That's why I'm not going, you're good, you're bad, you're good, you're bad, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. Instead, we understand that God loves everybody equally and we understand that no matter your financial status, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what you did last night or last week or last month, those things don't define how I see you. There's no discrimination. The gospel, which I'll show you in a minute, the gospel really is the dragnet. But then our lives become that because the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is within men. So my life becomes like a dragnet and The gospel is the dragnet, which is why you've got to know what the gospel is, what the good news is for yourself and how to share the good news with others, which is where we're ultimately going. So the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. It's a team effort. you got to break isolation and loneliness and come into a relationship. You cannot do it by yourself. You can't. There's no scripture that says a man's an island unto themselves. And what usually keeps us in isolated is shame or fear of religion, or control, or fear of submission, and you gotta break all that stuff. God's got a kingdom government that's designed around the concept of family, not religion, and not institutionalized systems, okay? That's why I say this church is a sustainer, or I'm sorry, a container, not a sustainer. This church is a container, not a sustainer. I can't sustain the life in you, nor do I wanna program every single thing. I want you to learn to organically build relationships with one another. Do dinners, do lunches, and I even know an awesome coffee shop that you guys can hang out at. (laughs) And I didn't start Coffee Waves because of money. I started Coffee Waves because of community. I came to town, and I couldn't find any place where I could go and consistently run into family and hang out with people and see people that I love. Saturday, I came up to get some coffee. I had to go over to the next door to our offices for something, and I'm just hanging out, and all these people came in that I hadn't seen for a while, and I'm hugging on them, and I'm loving on them, and I'm seeing family. That's what I really wanted to create, was a place where life can be built together with one another, yeah. all right? So you got to break the loneliness and the isolation and the fear. We're a very, very, very busy church, but it's not just for the sake of being busy, or filling hineys in the seat, or getting money in the coffers. That's not my passion. My passion is to see each of you lit up, flamed on, and doing life together with one another. Break the shame, break the fear. I'm sorry, somebody's not gonna look at you right, talk to you right, or they're gonna not call you back or do something, get over it. And listen, hear me out. I didn't go to any of the things that I did in my early days as a Christian because they had barbecue or because they made me feel so good. I went because I was desperately in need for men in my life and relationships in my life and I did not want to be isolated because I know what happens when I get isolated. It's not a pretty sight, okay? So the kingdom of God is like a sane net. It needs a team effort. There's no discrimination. It's not your job to clean people up. It's your job to bring in Jesus and let Jesus do what Jesus does best. Our job is to be the gospel and preach the gospel. I'm going to take it a little bit further. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee. He made Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee his headquarters for his ministry and everything that he would do. He would choose to come down from Nazareth out of the hills out of the mountains down to the coast of Galilee so that he could recruit and bring people in that are just like us, all right? So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, this is Luke chapter five, verse one, that Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which was now called the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. The nets of Jesus's day were made of linen, There weren't nylon nets, they were made of linen, which means that those nets, if they weren't washed every morning or every day, and they weren't mended, they would rot, and they would break, and they would be useless. In the days of Jesus, it was said that the disciples would spend more time washing and mending their nets than they actually would fishing, okay? Because these nets are made of linen, they break very, very easily. And so here comes Jesus. I'll set the scenario up for you. Here comes Jesus, Sea of Galilee. The disciples were not yet disciples, by the way. Jesus starts to minister on the shore, and there were multitudes gathered to him, and it says that the fishermen were off to the side, mending or washing their nets. But from a distance, they're listening to what Jesus has to say, because the fishermen were outcasts of the religious society of the day, and they were skeptical, very skeptical. They were also full of shame, and they were also extremely self-conscious. I'm going to show it to you here in just a minute. So when Jesus comes along, they don't know that he's not just like them. So Jesus comes, and he comes declaring the kingdom of God and preaching the gospel and that he has arrived, and in turn what happens is is that the fishermen, they don't really want to hear it. They're not really wanting to hear it, but they are. And so what does Jesus do? Verse 3. Then Jesus gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asks him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from Simon's boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat, catch that, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, what did he do? He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, oh, I worship you, you're definitely the Messiah. Oh, I, get, I surrender it all. What was his first response? Depart from me. I have a, I'm so full of shame. I'm so closed up and walled up, I'm astonished. You'll see in a minute where they were astonished. I see what's happening here, and I'm blown away, but I'm not worthy, depart from me. And I want to suggest that many of us live our lives like that, that Jesus wants to come and visit you, but because of shame, fear, your past, your failures, you're a sinful person, okay? Jesus died on the cross while we were yet sinners. That doesn't phase him. He gave his life in the midst of your most darkest hour. And so he's full of shame. And he says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And I want to challenge you this morning to not reject when God comes to visit you. And we'll talk about that more. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him, they were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, do not allow fear to take root into your heart. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. I'm going to bring up some very key points that I believe God is saying in this passage of scripture. First, Jesus asked to get into Simon's boat where he would preach from, and Simon agreed. I want you to know that God wants to get in your business. God wants, he literally got into Simon's business, didn't he? So Jesus comes along and says, I'm getting into your, to Simon's boat, and then ask Simon to push him out from the shore. God wants to get into your business. God wants you to use right where you're at right now to bring forth his word and reflect and demonstrate the greatness of who he is in the midst of your situation. You just have to give your boat to him. Okay? He wants to get in your business. The next thing is that Jesus would be preaching to the multitudes on the shore while the fishermen, even still, are not really engaged. And so, as Jesus is preaching, there's skeptics there. They're being skeptical. They're not really sure. They're not really, they don't really know how to respond. So, the very word that Jesus would preach, he would back up with a demonstration and he would say to Simon Peter, let down the very nets and launch into the deep. Some of you need to launch into the deep and let down your net. Some of you need to let Jesus take you deeper and further than you've ever gone before. And that's what was happening is Jesus says to Simon, launch to the deep and let down your nets. Now we know that they had just fished all night and caught nothing. In fact, the scripture says they toiled all night long. Toiling in your life is folly. I use toiling and thorns and thistles as a direct representation of what tree is inside of you and what you're eating from. The the result of the curse from the garden was the sweat of your brow and toiling through your life. To toil means to put extreme effort into your work. It's the opposite of rest. And so thorns and thistles and toiling are a result of the curse from the garden. Stressed, anxious, worried, sleepless nights, fear, depression, anxiety, you name it. Checking out on drugs and alcohol and sexual stuff, all that is toiling and thorns and thistles in our life. And what was happening was the the fishermen had toiled all night long and they caught nothing. Jesus comes along, gets in Simon's boat, says, go out to the deep, let down your nets, and what did Peter say? Though we haven't caught anything, nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. (laughs) At your word, I'll do what you say, okay? And so they go out into the deep, they launch out the net, and we know what happens. They caught so many fish that their nets were breaking, and the boats were sinking. And what I want you to know is when Jesus comes to visit your life, many times the old paradigms he wants to do away with so that he can bring the new paradigm into your life. The idea is a wineskin. Jesus said that nobody can put new wine into an old wineskin. The wineskin has to be made new or else the wine will pour out. What I want you all to know is I don't care so much about the wine as I do the wineskin. You know why? God's always reaching out his hand and pouring out like we sang today. It's not so much about anointing and presence and all those things as it is you becoming something to contain what God has for you. And so what was happening was they had sinking ships and breaking nets right off the bat, which would then cause them to trust, but they saw the the promise of all the fish inside the net that they didn't care. And it says that they were astonished. The Greek word for astonished means this. It means to be surrounded and captivated. It's almost like I'm stunned by what I just experienced. And it means to be caught or pulled out of the way that you're thinking. When you get astonished by the greatness of who God is, his presence, his power, his love, his deliverance, his faithfulness, that's why I tell a lot of young adults, look, you may not have the faith to give a lot of money, but give something. Because I learned early on when I started to trust God, even with a little, God would always show me how I can trust him and honor him. Because he'd always bring it back to me one way or another. And so what I want you to see and understand is that when Jesus comes, many times he wants you to decrease so that he can increase. And he's showing you something. He's saying, look, when when I come and bring my blessing and promise to your life, the first thing I do is I break out old paradigms so that you can walk in the new. You went from catching nothing to catching everything, all right? When you obey Jesus, astonishment happens. But you gotta break the self-conscious thing. Here Jesus was to bring so much into the disciples' lives but fear and self-consciousness was coming against them and that was the devil coming in the moment so that Peter and the disciples wouldn't say yes. But God was so powerful, and his love and life was so great, they couldn't help it. And so then ultimately what happens? It says that um, they threw down their nets, and they followed Jesus. You can't do anything without following Jesus. Not one thing. You've got to lay down your nets and follow Jesus. And then finally it says from now on you're going to catch men. I had a dream many years ago where I was fishing in a boat on the Nueces River with Dr. Terry Elder, who was here last service. He's helped us start the church, ER doctor, but, but a really great friend. And in the dream, I'm in, a, in a, a boat, and I hook a monster red in the Nueces River. I jump out of the boat, and I start fighting the fish while I'm waiting, and the current's taking me downstream. And Dr. Terry starts backing the boat up. I reel the giant red in. I pick it up, and I hand it to Dr. Terry. Dr. Terry's the physician. He, Jesus, is the great physician. And what the Lord was showing me is when you catch men, you catch them for the kingdom, you rescue them out of the darkness and bring them into the light, and it's all for him. And so that was what that picture was for me. It was God showing me, one, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, Nueces River, Nueces County. Number two, that God has called me to catch men, and he's called you to catch men. And to catch men doesn't mean you catch them for yourself or for your own good. You catch them for the kingdom. And to catch them means I'm breaking people out of deceptive lies of the darkness. That's why we have to be militant. You've got to understand this. The devil blinds the minds of those that don't believe, okay? But we're the ones that shine the light and break it out of them. I love how Mark puts it. You know, Mark just gets right to the point. Mark would really be my wife's version. We didn't really need all those details. Let's just get right to it. Mark chapter 1, verse 16, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Then immediately, what did they do? Dropped their nets and followed him, okay? So the first thing that I want you to see is our career isn't always his career. And what the Lord is showing is like, look, you've been using your gifts and your talents for your own personal gain, but now God is going to take your gifts and cal- talents and use it for his gain. That's what the Lord was saying. What matters the most, our career, our money, our future, or doing things God way, God's way so we can ultimately become who we're supposed to become? And so the Lord was using an example with the fishermen, but in today's vernacular, it'd be whatever your job is. If you work on cranes, if you drive trucks, if you're a uh, personal trainer, whatever your job is, if you're a coach, whatever it is that you do, it'd be like Jesus coming and saying, look, you've been doing photography, or you've been driving trucks, or you've been doing this for your own gain, but now you're going to do that for my gain, for my kingdom. You've been serving yourself. Now I'm going to make you into who you're really supposed to be, and you're going to see me bless you even more than before. That's what he was saying. So when you were being a fisherman. For your own personal gain, he would then make you a fisherman of men for the kingdom of God. And he uses your finances, your resources, your job, your talents, your gifts, and abilities for his purpose. What I'm not saying is every one of you needs to go quit your job. It's not what I'm saying, unless Jesus were to tell you. But most of the time, what he's really saying in today's language is everything I've given you, all your money, all your talents, all your possession, all your gifts, is for my purpose. And when you've been using it for yourself, now you'll be using it for me. And when you use what God gives you for the kingdom, guess what he does? He gives you more. He gives you more, okay? And so that's the first thing. We want to serve and honor him before ourselves. Let's everybody say this together. My life is not my own. When you have true lordship in your life, it's about what he wants because he knows what's best for you. Your life is not your own. He takes your gifts and your passions, and they, he makes them his. Did the fishermen still fish? Yeah. They learned to be disciples for three years, but they still had a fishing element and component to their life. I mean, I hope the Lord tells me I, I can still keep fishing in my life, which I'm sure he will. You have to leave your net. That doesn't mean you quit your job, but it means that you trust the Lord as you move forward and you use what he's given you for his kingdom. And you can only do it when you follow him and you know that God will really provide for you. To give you a great example, Jesus and the disciples were being questioned about paying taxes, and they needed money. So Peter goes to Jesus and says, hey, listen, you know, we're being questioned about not paying taxes, and we need to pay taxes. And Jesus says, look, we don't want to be offensive. This is Matthew 17, 27. We are not out to be offensive to the government system or to, the, to anybody. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to the sea I want you to cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for who? For who? For him and for us. Here's how that works. Catching men doesn't mean I'm going to go catch a big millionaire that's got all the money, that's the coin in their mouth. That's not what that means. What it means is, is that when I catch Andre's, he catches me, and we, come benefit, we benefit each other by what God has done in our lives. Now, neither of us lack because we're in a body together. He's not cut off. And what the Lord's saying is, I have the ability to provide for you so that you don't worry or fret or fear or stress. He wants you to know that you can trust him. And he, he, the way he provides for one another is through one another. Do you see that? It's not so much about how much can you give me and how much can I benefit from your life. What it's about is, is when you come into the kingdom, you're first given to the Lord and then we're given to each other. It's called unity and being in one accord. And that means also in the scripture that you can really trust the Lord no matter what you're going through in your life. After Jesus' resurrection and before Peter was restored, the disciples returned back to their old ways. Here's why. Two times Jesus appeared to the disciples after he resurrected. Two times. After the second time, what happens is Peter decides, I'm going back to my old ways. I'm going fishing again. Why would he do that? Because he, he hadn't been restored. He had denied Jesus three times shame, fear. Jesus said, even though Jesus had resurrected, they, the disciples were still living in doubt, they were still afraid. You had a whole religious system of Pharisees and Sadducees that hated the disciples, and now Jesus had been crucified. And even though he had appeared, they were still, two times they were still battling doubt. And what I'd say to that is, many times Jesus keeps appearing to you, but we keep allowing ourselves to doubt and not believe, and hang on to the hurts and the pain and the shame, and not forgive or allow Jesus to bring forgiveness into our life. So right after this, Jesus would be fully restored. But we get a picture of what happens before Peter is restored, and it starts with John chapter 21, verse 3. This is an awesome story. John 21, verse 3, Simon Peter says to them, the disciples, I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going fishing. And I know that it's in this context. You know why? Because it says that they got into the boat and they fished that night, and what happened? The Lord is using this scripture to teach us a lesson. Do you understand? This isn't just like, hey, everything's good and dandy. We're all fired up. I'm just going on a fishing trip. Now, I will say, I do a lot more fishing than I do catching. Like actual fish. Amber, you didn't have to. Amber says, every time you go fishing and hunting, you never catch anything. (laughs) I'm telling you what, I'm going to keep fishing. I'm going to keep fishing. But the point here, I'm wanting to catch you. You've got to catch the context of the scripture. It's so easy when Jesus has appeared to you multiple times to stay stuck in your old ways. Fear, shame, unforgiveness, hurts, pains, I get it. But this is a house of healing or a house of bread. All of us have had to overcome that. All of us have, or most of us have. I definitely have. And so Peter gets the disciples. He ropes them in and he says, hey, who wants to go fishing? When really, what should they have been doing? Jesus had resurrected and appeared twice. He had a better way. He had a better call. But instead, they go back fishing, and they catch nothing. Verse 4. But when the morning had now come, again, they fished all night. When the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know, what it, know that it was Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus came and appeared to them in a different form. He did that to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And here's my point. Many times Jesus will come to you in a way that you don't think or believe or wanna believe that it's him. He can use the oddest people, the oddest preachers, reminding you that Jesus loves you and he's calling you into more. He can appear to you on the shore. He can appear to you in your job. He can appear to you in all these places, but if you're not looking and listening, you're not gonna recognize it's him. So Jesus gives a little tip off. He says, children, have you not caught anything? Now, if you're a grown man and you call me address me as child, I'm going to be like, what? Don't call me a child. But see, in the kingdom, you become children of God. And Jesus tips it off. Children, have you not caught anything? And they should have known that it was Jesus at that time, but they still didn't get it. And you know what they said? No. So Jesus says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Here's the point. You've got to start doing it his way instead of your way. His way is the right way. They were casting on the left. He says, cast to the right. And in turn, when they did it his way, guess what happens? God blesses your life mightily. It doesn't mean you want not have obstacles and have to fight the good fight of faith. There are many people that come to Jesus and all hell breaks loose. They lost their job. They got a blowout tire. They had a car wreck. I don't want any of that to happen. But the devil will do whatever he can to keep you from turning your attention towards Jesus and especially surrendering all. Yeah. And so what happens is they have so many fish that Peter recognizes because he'd been through this before. He's like, uh, this looks very familiar. And he says to himself, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, this is verse seven, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it. Why? He was probably the third guy casting the net around the other nets, or he had been getting wet in the water. So he, and he had his garment off. But I want you to notice when he saw it was Jesus, what did he do? He put his garment on and he didn't care He plunged right into the sea. That's why I tell you, just dive in and launch out to the deep, people. God loves you. He cares about you. Despite the hurts and the pains, cut the root. Let's say this together. Bad root, bad fruit. fruit. If you got bad fruit, fear, worry, anxiety, depression, addiction, alcoholism, lust, I don't care what it is, fear, anxiety, you name the name, and it's a root system that has to be cut off. Jesus wants to come and cut that root right out of your life so you can bloom and blossom in who you're called to be. Bad root. Bad root. Never forget that. And so he recognizes it's the Lord and he just plunges into the sea. Take the plunge. Take the plunge. Dive in. What are you afraid of? I don't have any manipulation or control or or. or a selfish thing in my body, when it, neither do the leaders. We're not chalking anything up in heaven. You're not our, our, our fresh catch of the day. We're not going to fillet you up, I can assure you. And we're not going to devour you. We're going to present you to Jesus. And he's going to make you to be what you're called to be. And then you're going to go catch men. You're going to take captivity captive. If you're battling with demons right now in your head, get free and tell them to get out of your life. Stop allowing the devil to come into your life by giving him any foothold, not even the tip of your fingernail. Get violent with the enemy. Sow to the spirit so that you can reap from the spirit and stop the cycle of dysfunction with your flesh. You can do it. And I'm here for you. For life, I mean, I don't think God's going to take me anywhere. I'm pretty entrenched. We're going to do this together. I'll get in the trenches. I'll get to the first gut, second gut, third gut. I'll swim out to the deep. That's the culture that we're building here. Come out of hiding. Come out of fear and shame. So notice this. Verse 8, the other disciple came in the little boat. For they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread, and Jesus says to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, guess what happened? The net didn't break. The net didn't break. And so Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Let me tell you what this means to me. When they were pulling in the nets to shore, they didn't break when they had broken before. The Lord is saying that when you do it my way, I'll make sure that your new net never breaks. The second thing is, is Jesus says, bring the fish to me. But guess what? He already had fish on the grill. And when he said, come and eat breakfast, it didn't say he cooked the fish they caught. It says that he served them bread and he gave them fish. This is the cycle that works in the kingdom. You take what God has given you and you bring it to him. But he's already, got, he's already built the garden. He's already got the mountain. He's already got the fish on the grill and the daily bread for your life. And he says, bring me your fish and bring me your crown, bring me your kingdom, and I'm gonna serve you daily bread. He gave them bread and he gave them fish that he had already caught. Because he's always one step ahead of you. I'm telling you, he's always one step ahead of you. We've got to take the crown off our hearts. We've got to give our catch to him. And we've got to trust him to feed and take care of us. He's saying, let's have some breakfast. The title of this little chapter is Breakfast by the Seashore. Who wants to have breakfast with Jesus on the seashore? I know I do. Yeah. They went from catching nothing. They went back to their old way. How many of you have been in church for a long time but keep struggling and going around the mountain with your old way? How many of you have heard the gospel, the good news, and you keep coming, but you keep struggling? Now, I want you to know I'm gonna stick with you no matter how much the struggles. Don't let shame keep you back from coming here. Please. It took me a long time. On the merciful, he'll have mercy. His mercy endures forever. As long as you have a breath, he's a God of a million. If you're breathing right now, you got another chance. Do you understand? So what I'm saying to you is your life is not your own. You take whatever God gives you and you give it back to him. Your career becomes his career. Your job is to tend and keep what he's already created. And you know what he does? He hands you daily bread. And then he says, here's some fish. And you know what the fish represent? Not only are we bringing them to him, but he gives them to one another. I'll be your fish. He caught me. I wanted to title this message, Caught to Catch, Caught to Catch. So now the blessings of my life, my branches, remember last week, the mustard seed, my branches become a resting and nesting place for you. Look around. If I didn't get caught, going to that Grateful Dead concert, if I didn't get caught and busted, if God didn't allow my life to come crumbling down, you wouldn't be sitting here today. He caught me. And just think of the great coffee you get to benefit from my own life. (laughs) Sorry, guys, it's just funny. I don't care if you're coffee drinkers or not, and I don't care where you drink coffee. I just have fun with that. The point I want to make is that your life becomes a blessing to somebody else. Do you catch it? There's a whole theme here. There's an interwoven story to be told, and your life is right, and you are Peter. Just be Peter and stop denying. Notice, Peter had denied Jesus three times, and right before he gets restored, you ought to go read the rest of that chapter. Right before he gets restored, God says, let me show you what I do. You keep wanting to go back to your old way and do your old thing and keep trusting in what you used to trust in, and it got you nowhere, toiling all night. But now, cast your net to the right side. (laughs) Oh, yeah! Yeah! Yeah. Man, it gets me so fired up. You can do this. We're going to do this together as a family. He will make you fishers of men. How many of you like to fish? I got news for you. I don't know one fish that wants to be caught. Do you? You think the fish is, oh, catch me, catch me. Listen, not one fish wants to be caught. And some fish, most fish, put up a fight when they get caught some fish especially if you're an offshore fisherman or a shark fisherman you under, or you catch a big giant honking slot red you know it's going to put up a much bigger fight than a little piggy perch or those silly hard I don't even know why God created them I mean like <laughs> what a no it's got a purpose in the circle of life somewhere <laughs> they're part of the fall that's right They're like the snakes of the sea, bottom dwellers. All right, no. But you see, in the kingdom, we're co-labor with the Lord, and the harvest is white, meaning it's ripe, and it's not hard. They're just waiting on you. And many, some will put up a bigger fight than others, but you don't give up on your family your friends, and those that are initially, some people are like the fishermen were before they said yes, and they're just kind of off to the side mending and washing their nets, but they're still listening, and they're still watching you. And one day, one day, they're going to say, I'm ready. Such a powerful word. And you also understand the big fish fight longer, the little fish fight less, but it doesn't matter because there's no discrimination. The kingdom is like a dragnet. The gospel gets, gets preached and spoken and shed abroad to everyone, just the same. Homeless, addicted, hurting, broken, mentally ill, it doesn't matter. There's good news to set the captives free. Tag, you're it. Let's all stand.